and welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you all the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and science, you name it. If it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is Star Trek Picard, end of season one nerd out. I am your host, Austin, and with me as always is the amazing Amanda Lorian! Hey! Plus the rambunctious Bob! Hi. And the wild yet elusive Jekka! Hello! Folks, thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. We're talking all sorts of fun stuff tonight from uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, uh, sequel likelihood, maybe? I don't know. Artemis Fowl going straight to Disney+, Plus. NASA sending a helicopter to Mars, and more. Jekka, what's nerdy with you? What have you been up to? So I've been in quarantine and all that. My So my sister and I, before this whole craziness happened, we pitched in and bought a Switch together. And I've been playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, this is my first ever Zelda game that I am playing by myself. Normally, I've watched my siblings play all the other Zelda games, but this one I am playing by myself. And last, or just on Saturday, I, uh, so part of Breath of the Wild, for those of you who haven't played it, you, there's pretty much eight regions and you go as link you go around and you to find them to download the maps of the regions you have to activate these towers and on saturday i went for the scariest tower that i've done so far which is called the central hyrule tower it is surrounded by these very scary robots called guardians that will shoot and kill you when they see you and you pretty much have to just run to the tower and climb it while they're aiming at you and trying to shoot you off it. And it was absolutely terrifying. Like I was shaking. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, shaking. And it was a stupid, uh, not a stupid game. No, it was a wonderful game. But I was like, what the heck? It's just a game. Why am I terrified? <laughs> yeah. So you were actually shaking scared? Or yeah, was, I was like, shaking. <laughs> My oh, heart wow. was racing. It, it was like I was fight or flight. I was flight mode, but I was like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. So, but I got it. I activated it. So it's been very nice to have oh, power there so I can skip around when I need to. But oh my gosh, it was scary. <laughs> That's crazy. You, you know what? Uh, the platform games always scare me the most, like uh, Sonic or Mario. I'm just like, oh my word, I, I do not want to fall off that thing I'm trying to jump for. Yeah, so yeah. Those, those, are, those are what get me the, the most scared in games. I've been, I've been getting that a lot. I've been playing through Doom Eternal. and Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, there is like a ton of platforming in that game, a lot more than I would have imagined. But... I mean, still, it's an amazing game, and I will plug it every chance I get. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I, I can't wait personally to play it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So, Amanda, don't play it around your kids. It is absolutely oh, no, no, no. fest. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's a give me. Amanda, what's new with you? All right. So I've been checking out a lot of Netflix Netflix lately because I have nothing better to do with my time. Quarantine. <laughs> And I, I just, I love the joke on Netflix. It's a, it, it says, are you still watching? I'm like, no, I, I can't do anything else. Please stop shaming me. <laughs> oh, you know I'm here. 
Amanda, my mom found this meme that says, Netflix, please change your, are you still watching to something else? Because I am still watching. I'm in quarantine. <laughs> Can you yeah. change it to, are you sure you want to eat that? That would be my <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That is funny. Uh, you know, that's right. <laughs> all right. So I, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about the Tiger King. Oh, boy. On Facebook. Oh, yeah. And everyone's putting out spoilers. So I know everything that's happened in it. And so Austin and I were just chatting, and I briefly mentioned what the Tiger King's about. And Austin's like, and we're watching. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds ridiculously okay. funny. So, so, so the, the description I just gave him was, it's rednecks who own tigers. It's rednecks with tigers. <laughs> I mean, who, who wouldn't want to watch that? Well, I've lived in Oklahoma, and that's not far off. <laughs> have, you seen it? have you seen it, Bob? No, but I've seen pictures of it, and so, I've heard oh, enough about no. it to, believe, to absolutely believe it's from Oklahoma. So, well, it's more than Oklahoma. It's Florida and South Carolina, too. And, and oh, I think wow. Minnesota. And Minnesota. You got one up there, buddy. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, I'm focused in with them. No, no. There's a guy up in Minnesota has his own, uh, like, private so, zoo. Bob, you, you just have to understand that this series is a train wreck. <laughs> and you're watching it and you just have to have the popcorn because it's like riveting to watch how this oh, wreck is going to happen. It is it is beyond a train wreck, man. This I mean it's a, a creative writer who's won an Oscar could not could not create a more weird story than what the what the truth true oh, reality it is. is. It is it is epically just It's weird, man. Train wreck. It is oh, weird. no doubt. I'll let you no know. I used to work, I, I used to be in like the zookeeper field and that the Tiger King has all of my zookeeper friends, like they're in an uproar. They're like, that is not zookeeping because a lot of people are like, this is why we can't have animals in zoos. And we're like, that's not it at all. So <laughs> oh, man. Like, yeah, oh, I hope that people will understand what the role zoos and aquariums do and all that. Okay. Well, anyway, so I came across a series on Netflix called Letter to the King. And as I'm watching this series, I realize we have to watch it for the podcast. So we're going to be watching, we're going to be doing a podcast on it on May 4th. So, so well, well, why? Why do we need to watch it? Okay, so it is epic fantasy. You've got the journey, because he's got, um, dude's got to deliver the letter to the king. And you've got the actor who played Faramir and... Um, Gollum. Well, I was going to mention the Harry Potter character. He played um, Lupin. Oh, okay. And Harry Potter. Name. I like that actor. I know. He's he's one of the first, pe first characters you see. Oh, nice. So, oh, first one of the first actors. Um, and then it also has Andy Serkis, who played yeah. Gollum. Yeah. So, so this is a fantasy TV show. There's a trailer on Netflix. We invite you, our listeners, to watch it with us. So you got about three weeks, uh, and then uh, you got three weeks to watch. I think it's only six episodes. Or... We know you're all in quarantine, so you got the time. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're giving you three weeks. Watch Letter to the King on Netflix. It looks like it's a f like a family friendly fantasy yeah. film. 
uh, or, or, or TV series. It's about six or eight episodes, plenty of time, watch that, and then we're, we're just going to nerd out on it because it, it does look pretty cool. And let's be honest, uh, Hollywood has pushed off a lot of movies, and so we need to talk about something, which is a great segue into uh, some nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, we were just talking about it. Uh, Hollywood has pushed back pretty much all of their films that was going to be coming out over like the next two months uh, because of the coronavirus. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of them uh, were, were, were pushed back. We knew that, but we didn't have dates for when they were going to be uh, coming out in the theater again. So all I know is I just have to put in, I'm so sad that we're going to miss Keanu day in May. Keanu day in no, May. Oh, <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. You, no, that could, that, they, that was, that wasn't this May. That's like 2021. They're not oh, ready. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. okay. Amanda. Oh, so what Amanda's talking about was when matrix four and uh, John wick four all came out. Because it was going to be on the same weekend. That that still happened. Okay, <laughs> but I mean, we, we got a ton of different movies here. So so for 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 Amanda and Jekka, who are all like live action Mulan, uh, that is pushed to July twenty fourth <laughs> this year. Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four is officially in August fourteenth now this year. Uh, I'm very angry. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted Face the Music, which was going to come out in like like another month or so, is now pushed back to August 21st. Venom 2 is in October, it's October 2nd. Black Widow is now going to be released November 6th, 2020. Mm-hmm. Godzilla vs. King Kong is coming out November 20th. That film is going to be crazy. Uh, no Time to Die, the new James Bond, uh, that's coming out November 25th now. Uh, so far, there's a Dune movie that's supposed to be showing up December 18th. Yes. Top Gun Maverick is being pushed back to December 23rd. And then there's a ton of movies that got pushed back all the way to next year. The Eternals is now coming out February 12th, 2021. Ghostbusters 3, Ghostbusters Afterlife. That was going to be coming out in like a month. That's, no! that's now pushed till March 5th, 2021. I was really looking forward to that one. Morbius, which was also coming out in about a month, that's pushed out to March 19th, 2021. Uh, what? Yeah. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings will now be May 7th, 2021. That's a, uh, a Marvel Cinematic Universe martial art film. Doctor Strange 2 is now coming do- uh, November 5th, 2021 um and oh you know i got a couple uh we, we got La, thor love and thunder uh that is now going to be february 18th 2022 you know they were already you know bringing out stuff for that you know uh indiana jones 5 is now going to be in august 29th 2022 so uh, well harrison ford lived that long <laughs> you know all i know is all of these push it's okay I could, I could die from COVID and not be able to see the movies I need to see. This is not fair. Uh, yeah. Oh, see, and I look at all those pushback release dates and I'm just like, okay, we just need the movie theaters to hang on because by golly, when we can go to the movie theaters, I will have a lot of money that I'll actually be willing to go and see these opening day. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. 
I will be there opening day with my popcorn. There you and go. My water bottle because I don't like soda and I'm weird well, that way, but you know, or sneak in my chocolate shake or something take, like that. <laughs> take your stimulus check of one thousand two hundred dollars, and you'll be able to go to at least three films after you buy your popcorn. You know. <laughs> so. The uh, the one thing I'm I'm having a hard time grasping is why movies like Morbius and Black Widow are being pushed so far out. Okay. I mean, these are films that should that should already be done. So here's the thing. There are a lot of movie companies that are pushing them so far out because they don't want to have to delay them again. Okay. I can um, see that. If there's another spike that might be coming. That and they don't. You know, the, the, there's, only, there's only so much real estate space for, for good opening weekends. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the year, you know, we, we, we got a lot of, uh, you know, non-movie review episode podcast episodes coming. But at the end of the year, we're going to be having like, you know, uh, nine out of ten episodes is going to be all movie reviews. So, Well, it, it's kind of like um, James Bond moved before any of the other movies. Yeah, it really yeah. was. They, they wanted to make sure they, they still had prime time, a prime weekend. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that's like Thanksgiving weekend. In my family, we have a tradition where on Thanksgiving, like after we have our dinner, we'll go see a movie, like kind of a late night movie. And so yeah. looking at that, I'm like, oh, I know what we'll be going seeing that week. Well, it, it, and it, it didn't really make sense that there was a James Bond film coming out in March uh, originally, because November is kind of the tradition for uh, uh, for Bond movies lately, uh, at least while uh, – what's his name plays James Bond? What, what is his name? I'm having a brain fart. Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's move on. Uh, apparently, Black Widow, the film, is actually going to be uh, a family drama film. Uh, while we wait for Disney to release Black Widow, uh, Scarlett Johansson shared some new details regarding the story the film tells and its tone. She explained that the film tells a family drama story and confesses that this shift in tone caught her off guard. Uh, while speaking with Total Film, uh, jo, uh, Scarlett Johansson says, uh, I think part of Kevin Feige's genius is that he always thinks about what fans expect out of these films and then gives them something that they've never could have dreamed of. The idea of Natasha Romanoff in a family drama is the least expected thing. And I had to wrap my head around what that was going to be because there's such a huge uh, tonal shift. Uh, she then goes on to talk about what drove them to make a standalone Black Widow movie. And she says, quote, I think from the very beginning, when we first started talking about doing this standalone film, there is no reason to do it unless we could really dig deep and be brave and go there. So Black Widow, again, is set between Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. It's going to see uh, Black Widow travel back to Budapest while she's on the run from the U.S. government, which is hunting her down because of her actions in Civil War. While in Budapest, she reunites with her family and they will go back to where it all started for a mission, which I'm assuming is a place where the black widow program takes place. No, it's just where the upside down is. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> nice. I mean, you can't cast that guy so soon. And especially with him being in Russia. 
Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, the the actor that's gonna play uh, uh, the red red something or other red shield or something. Yeah, uh, he's like he's like the Soviet Union uh, Captain, Captain America. Anyways, yeah, he's the same actor that plays the dude in the Hopper in uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, it is funny. I don't know what, what do you guys what do you guys think of a family drama, Black Widow and family drama. I think it could work, and honestly, it's one of those things that I've I've been worried about for a while with the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. It it's getting a bit too formulaic at, with the the past ten years. So hopefully, he'll do yeah. or Kevin Feige will throw a lot more curveballs like this at us. Yeah, it kind of feels like to me, it's like because the trailers make it seem like very action based. But if it like family drama, I'm hoping that I love I love storylines with a good character development and character driven. And that's what I'm hoping for this is that it'll be very character driven. I, I feel those are like the best stories. Those are the ones I enjoy the most. So what I've seen from the trailer is they hint very clearly at the family drama and then they slip it to action. So that way you don't get to see what they're doing with it, but they just kind of tease you a little bit saying, you want to come see this family drama. You don't know what's going on, but come see it so you can find out. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Personally, I've, I, of course I'm going to go see it and I'll, and I'll probably enjoy it. Will it be a great film? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, kind, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with Bob. A, a lot of these Marvel films do are starting to feel a little formulaic. Not saying that that's a bad thing, but, um, but say, but, but, but it, it doesn't leave a ton of surprise in there. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so a family drama, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's not what I expect. So, so, so I guess I'm going to reserve my judgment till I see it. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Uh, a sequel to solo, a star Wars story is not likely to hit Disney plus. Can it hit the theaters? Well, I would like that, but, uh, solo, a star Wars story. I mean, it, it ended up being, a. a a surprisingly great movie and a lot of fans like myself uh did like the film we're hoping to see a sequel especially the way it ended yeah. with Darth Maul I know right hey spoiler uh, oh yeah spoiler alert <laughs> and it, well, anyways I mean Darth Maul jumping in there opens up a whole new interesting world of story possibilities uh but anyways the, the, the movie ended up not doing as well at the box office as Disney and Lucasfilm would have hoped uh, after the movie was released, I mean, the studio, they didn't completely change their entire Star Wars movie strategy. I mean, it wasn't that bad, Disney. Come on. Anyways, uh, it was at this point, fans knew that a solo sequel was unlikely to happen. However, when Disney Plus launched, I mean, a lot of us saw an opportunity for a sequel to happen, Disney. Come on. Direct to Disney Plus film. But uh, unfortunately, solo co-writer John Kasdan uh, basically was asked by a fan about the possibility of a Disney Plus sequel. And John had the following to say, quote, don't think anyone's pursuing a solo sequel at the moment. I think a feature at this point would be a tough sell, and the Disney Plus Star Wars slate is really pretty packed. All shows I'm looking forward to. Uh, my work on indie is long over, but I'm excited that there's forward m- movement. Okay. 
I feel like they're uh, I feel like they're moving more towards uh, Disney Plus with all the Star Wars properties, and the reason I feel like that is they oversaturated the box office over the past couple of years. They tried to do with Star Wars what they did with Marvel, and it completely it almost completely backfired on them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to disagree. I don't think it was what they were trying to do. I think it was their failure to plan a cohesive story like they did for Marvel. I think they could have been very successful putting out that many Star Wars movies to the box office. The problem was is they put a solo Star Wars movie out after The Last Jedi. And yeah. it's The Last Jedi that was the problem, not Solo. Yeah. And the fact that there uh, is, um, I'm going to forget his name because I want to, but um, <laughs> the director of The Last Jedi. Uh, 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 Ryan Johnson? Ryan Johnson. And they're, they're, are they still giving him a trilogy? Uh, well, okay. So so a long time ago, Disney on their official- far, far away. Yeah, I know. Galaxy Far, Far Away. Uh, uh, Disney or Lucasfilm, I should say, gave Ryan Johnson a, a Star Wars trilogy that he was going to write and direct. And it, this was official. It was released on StarWars.com by Lucasfilm and everything. And then that, that happened like a month or two before uh, The Last Jedi came out. And then after The Last Jedi came out, silence, complete silence. Nobody <laughs> mentions it. I mean, pe- people from time to time ask Ryan Johnson about that and – um, and he, he kind of just, you know, he, he's doing the, 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 uh, you know, PC political, you know, sidestepping, trying, trying to, trying to not anger Disney, but at the same time, not saying no, he's so <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen, but, but I mean, Disney plus would be a great opportunity for a solo, uh, a solo sequel. I mean, I, uh, I, in my, in my opinion, I, I think I agree uh, with with what you said, Bob and Amanda. But the other thing is, I don't think anybody was really wanting a s- solo story. Uh, I mean, out of all the films that were coming out, me personally, Solo was a film that I wasn't really excited about. Now, after I saw it, I was like, you know, that was a lot better than I was expecting, and I was wanting one. But but I think I think a lot of people had the uh, not not a ton of interest going into the movie. Can we just name like the sequel Darth Maul? Like <laughs> that would get people there. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's, I recently watched Solo um, for the first time, and this is after I've been I've seen like you know skipped around in Clone Wars, so like knowing that Darth Maul was alive and all that. Um, but yeah, like Solo, you know, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun, like enjoyable action film about like thieves and all that. But then at the end, when Darth Maul came on, I was like, okay, I want more of that and watch Solo have to deal with that. (laughs) I'm like, I would (laughs) love to see him trying to double cross a Darth Maul, a Sith Lord. Oh, man. Charge of a crime syndicate. I was like, can I get more of that? Like, I would definitely go see that. Yeah. Yeah, That's just the thing is that if Disney doesn't capitalize on that, they are they dropped a major bombshell at the end of that. And yeah. I mean, Maul is a major character from a film. He's not just a he's not just a one off like freaking Grievous. I'm yeah. I'm sorry, I I can go about twenty minutes on how Grievous was a terrible choice, but that's beside the point. Um, 
they, if they don't at least follow up with that or on that particular lead, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Agreed. All right, let's move on. We still got a lot to cover. Uh, the sci-fi fantasy film Artemis Fowl is coming straight to Disney+. Plus. Uh, Disney has announced that its feature film adaption of Artemis Fowl will not get a theatrical release. They decided to instead release it directly on Disney Plus because of the COVID-19 pandemic closing down all the different movie theaters. Now, they haven't really officially announced when it's coming out on Disney Plus, but all indications look like it might it might be coming out in May. Um, so so we're, we're thinking about, you know, when it comes out, it's, it's one of the new movies and it has a little bit of a sci-fi uh, fantasy feel to it. Maybe we'll do a... Uh, a podcast on it, but uh, if you don't know much about the film, uh, it's based on the book by uh, Eon Colfer, and it tells a fantastical, spellbinding adventure that follows the journey of a 12-year-old genius, Artemis Fowl, a descendant of a long line of criminal masterminds as he seeks to find his father, who has mysteriously disappeared, uh, with the help of his loyal protector, uh, Butler, uh, Artemis Fowl sets out to find him and in doing so uncovers an ancient underground civilization, the amazing advanced world of fairies, uh, deducing that his father's disappearance is somehow connected to the secretive reclusive fairy world. Cunning Artemis uh, concocts a dangerous plan, so dangerous that he ultimately finds himself in a perilous war of wits with the all-powerful fairies. Now, there's a there's a there's trailers out there, and there's more than fairies. There's like trolls and giants, and there's like it looks like there's like like wizards and all sorts of uh, like fantasy secrets that his father was trying to protect. I don't know. You guys saw the trailer. What do you guys think of this film coming out? So I so when I saw the trailer, I was trying to recall what I remembered from the first book because there's a I think there's five books I've only read the first one and it was a long time ago like back in high school a long time ago kind of thing and I remember enjoying the first book and so I'm just like watching the the film I'm kind of like I've is this covering all five the overall storyline of all five books because in the first book I remember like he already knew about the secret fairy world and he was actually trying to steal something from it, which is why he is such a criminal mastermind because he's like one of the few humans that has, is causing them troubles because he's trying to go in there and steal magical items to use for his own nefarious deed kind of thing. But that's like all I remember from the first book. So I'm like, I'm like, great. Now on top of, you know, Netflix, Picard and, Zelda, I got to try to fit in this book series too. <laughs> I'm like, I'm running out of time and I'm in quarantine. Huh. But, but I, I definitely like, want, I, I am excited to go see this. So, one of the things that I think this is really important with Disney Plus doing this with Artemis Fowl is I think we're going to have more of the streaming services that put movies into the theaters just cancel the theatrical release and put it straight to their. Um, streaming service like Netflix, Amazon. I think we're going to get more of that. Oh, I, I hope not. I hope Personally. so. No, what? <laughs> dude. I still want to have. I still want to have the movie theater experience. I mean, uh, just just real real quick, slightly off topic. I mean, uh, AMC theaters had their credit rating downgraded to a triple C minus, which is uh, basically saying that. 
it, it, it looks like the AMC movie theater chain could legitimately close down and not reopen. Um, and so, so I don't want, I, I don't want movie theaters to go away. Is it an option for studios? Yes. And in this situation, it makes sense, like release stuff on Disney Plus, whatever. But I don't think they should skip it altogether. Anyways, Bob, what were you going to say? Um, I was going to say I fundamentally disagree with you. Okay, I, we'll, say, well do it. Uh, well, here's the thing. I personally think that um, movie theaters, unfortunately, have gone the way of the Dodo. Uh, right now, they're they're a relic. I mean, sure, people go to them, but even on opening weekends, I've noticed that the theaters are never full. I mean, they, you have you have a couple dedicated people that are going to go to them, but most people are willing to wait that extra month it takes for something to show up digital, or extra month or two that it takes for something to show up digitally. If you haven't noticed, the digital re- or the digital release dates have uh, gotten closer and closer to the theatrical release dates. When it used to be like six months, now it's pretty standard for something to happen mm-hmm. in like yes, three or four, four months. Well. Well, 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 times change, yes. I mean, we, we, we talked about this a few podcasts ago. So something with the movie theater industry is definitely going to, you know, change forever moving forward because of COVID-19. But uh, uh, but Artemis Fowl is coming to Disney+. Plus. It, it looks like a fun movie that you can definitely watch uh, with the family, with your kids next year. Um, and hopefully it's good. We, we'll probably watch it. And if it's uh, worth talking about it, we'll talk about it. But uh, – you know what else is worth talking about on Disney Plus is the uh, upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. Apparently, it has a new writer. Uh, that's right. Writer, director, and producer Joby Harold, known for his writing of the films Awake and King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, has been hired on to write the upcoming Disney Plus TV series based on Star Wars character Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Harold is taking over the covet. Uh, Taking over the writing job uh, from Amanda. How do you say that name? Hoisin. Hoisin Amini. Yes, that person. Anyways, uh, they that person left earlier this year, uh, and it's pushing the production back from August this year to January of next year. Uh, you know, it's confirmed that Obi uh, Obi Wan Kenobi is going to be played by Ewan McGregor again. Deborah Chow is directing it. Uh, and the thing is, when they when they made that announcement, they also mentioned that all the scripts were already written. Uh, well, the Hollywood Reporter, uh, you know, is saying that they're trying to scale the series back from six episodes to only four. Uh, and it was previously reported that Kenobi, uh, the story, would see the Jedi Master lending a protective hand uh, over Luke Skywalker, you know, a young Luke Skywalker, and per- perhaps even a young Leia. But now, with these uh, these new writers, uh, and it, it, there, there's rumors around the internet that started to pop up saying that the Kenobi story might completely remove the protect young Luke storyline because it's too similar to the Mandalorian. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I, honestly, I think it makes me mad. What do, what do you think, Amanda? So basically, what we have going on here is they don't understand the difference between what the Mandalorian is doing and what Kenobi's doing. Kenobi is just making sure morons don't come and attack Luke's farm and interfere with Luke growing up. 
which is completely different than the Mandalorian, who's got a baby Yoda and goes, what do I do with it? <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to see, like, um, like it, he doesn't have, it doesn't have to be super focused on Luke, but just kind of like little interactions, you know, the little like Easter eggs where it's like, you know, like Ben's walking around and like Luke encounters him and he's, you know, cause Luke even like grows up thinking he's crazy Ben kind of thing. Yeah. You know? And so like, it'd be fun to see those interactions where Kenobi purposely instills that thought on Luke so that he didn't like maybe in hopes that he doesn't run off and get in trouble kind of thing. You know? I want to see him accidentally date. I want to see, like, him having to interact with people as trying not to be a Jedi. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi on his first day. Yeah. Turn it into a romantic comedy with him, like, stumbling over his words as he tries to flirt with girls. Obi-Wan Kenobi's first kiss. Oh, my word. And then we'll have, then what we can have is we can have his child be taken away and um, cared for yeah. by um, Ahsoka. There you go. All right. Well, look, look. The, the, the time frame in which in which they're placing this story between Episode Three and Episode Four, Luke Skywalker is is you know like the foundation of any Kenobi story because yes, he's watching over Luke. If you remove that foundation, then, then whoever's writing the story or calling the shots over there at, at Disney slash Lucasfilm does not understand the character Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, and his story and his purpose at this time in, in Canon. Uh, so. And, and maybe he could date Ahsoka. Oh my. <laughs> so. weird. <laughs> So, so if the, you really if the just want to see Ahsoka, don't you? <laughs> no, I'm just coming up with my stuff that they could do. Oh. Obi Wan, wait a minute. So, so yeah, I just had this thought. So, Rosario Dawson playing a live action Ahsoka, maybe, maybe they, you know, have her in season two. But you know, she would be around, yeah, during Kenobi, and yeah. they could have a live action with her popping in. That would be pretty sweet. I just thought of that. But that would be anyway. a pretty cool crossover. Yeah, that would be a cool crossover. Anyways, let, let's move on. Um, so, most of the world is all stuck at home, uh, and you know, for these stay-at-home orders. Well, uh, somebody I don't know what they did. They they either owned a Dalek or it was like cosplaying or something. Anyways, a Dalek from Doctor Who is going around England ordering humans to stay home. Uh, so, so this is kind of similar to to news around the world where you know. Police agencies are letting drones fly around and scold citizens who aren't staying indoors. The Italian mayor is cussing up people yeah. and telling them to go back inside. Well, so some goofball in England, uh, you know, has a Dalek roll down the block while it's barking commands at humans to uh, stay home pr- to promote self isolation. So we got we got a little audio. So let's listen to this Dalek. Oh, 
All right, so if you, if you don't understand what he's saying, he's saying uh, all humans must keep indoors, all humans must self-isolate by order of the Daleks. So when's the doctor going to come in <laughs> cure COVID for us so we can get out from under the thumb uh, of the Daleks? Yeah, that'd be funny. Going on, the Daleks created the coronavirus. That's how they're taking over the world. That's how they're doing yeah. That's it. We solved it. Now we got to destroy the Daleks again. <laughs> they just keep coming back like a bad penny. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's great. <laughs> I want a Dalek to roll down my street. I would love that. <laughs> there's a there's a video going around of a guy who kind of uh, down in Mexico City who had, who has a uh, Batmobile uh, and he's going around and yelling at people too as if he's Batman. <laughs> but it's all like, and, and but and I I would have an audio clip of that, but it's all in Spanish, so I have no idea what he's saying. So. <laughs> So, so there's some guy yelling out his door in Spanish. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, moving on. Uh, NASA is sending the world's first helicopter to Mars. Uh, you know, while we do our uh, and it will be the world's first helicopter. Yeah, on Mars, absolutely. You know, everybody's doing their part to try to stop COVID nineteen, but we can still get excited about space stuff too. So. Uh, you know, this summer, NASA will launch a helicopter to Mars. Uh, don't picture in your mind like a human-sized helicopter. This is more of like a drone, small little box helicopter. It has a wingspan of only four feet. Uh, the helicopter is, is expected to perform five flights during a 30-day mission. Uh, the Land Rover uh Perseverance is also being sent to Mars with the helicopter and will help NASA find interesting targets for the Land Rover to investigate. Uh, but this will be the first aircraft to ever fly on another world. Uh, in an interview on NASA's own website, Project Manor, Manager, excuse me, uh, Mimi Ong, in a statement, talked about the project uh, and about the helicopter's chief engineer, Bob Bellarum. Quote, Bob is the inventor of our Mars helicopter. He innovated the design and followed up on that vision to its fruition uh, as chief engineer through all phases of design, development, and test whenever we encountered a technical roadblock. Uh, and we encountered many roadblocks. We always turned to Bob, who always carries an inexhaustible set of potential solutions to be considered. Come to think of it, I don't think I have ever seen Bob feeling stuck at any point. Um the helicopter is equipped with solar panels to charge its lithium-ion batteries and a heater to keep it warm during the, the frigid Martian nights. It will fly autonomously in conditions not experienced by any other flying vehicle on Earth as Mars' atmosphere is only 1% of ours, which is like being 100,000 feet uh, or 30,000 meters above ground on Earth. Uh, the mission will launch from Cape Canaveral in July and is expected to reach the Red Planet next February. However, its maiden flight on Mars won't happen immediately. It will take two and a half months to prep before it can soar in the Martian surf, uh, above the Martian surface. What, what do you think, Jekka? That sounds pretty awesome. It does sound awesome, but I think it's a conspiracy. They're not <laughs> They're not sending a helicopter to check out Mars. They're sending out a helicopter to lure the Martians out so they can try to find Ooh. That's really happening. 
Yes. No, they're sending Matt Damon with it so he can plan Yes. <laughs> no, I really do think that's cool. And it's especially nice that they're, you know, we're, we're dealing with the virus here, but we're still going out and exploring. And, you know, I just, yeah. I like the idea of, you know, I, I don't know why. Don't, I don't understand. But when I like hearing that it's going to arrive there on February and like two and a half months, it's going to start soaring about the Martian surface. I don't know why, but that just made me even more excited. I'm like, you know, we have like less than a year and, or actually like about a year, a year from now, we'll start. Yeah. Mars and that, that just like really excited me for some reason. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. It was just weird because normally I don't get excited for something that I have to wait a long time for. <laughs> it's so like it's so exciting. This is really cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think they, you know, it's probably based on how close Mars is to Earth. Because uh, I think it's something like like you can either like have like a year long flight or you can have like a five year long flight or something like that. So that, so they can't miss that window. So they're yeah. if they're going to be launching it. They got to launch it. Yeah. So. Yeah, you have to take into account the orbits. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I think it's time to talk some uh, Star Trek Picard. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And what that means, it's time for a So this is actually our third episode on Star Trek Picard. So so make sure you go back to episode 91 where we talk about, uh, you know, it's our review of episode one at the very beginning. And then we did kind of a mid-season nerd out. That's episode 96. And here we are at the end. We've seen all of Star Trek Picard. Uh, what'd you guys think of it? What'd you guys think? Well, Star Trek Picard talking. was amazing. Okay, why? <laughs> it was something that we haven't really seen before from Star Trek. I mean, it was a highly person. It felt like a highly personal story, and it really was. Uh, this first season really did feel like they were trying to avoid the whole uh, montage uh, or montage retrospective that um, that Sir Patrick Stewart really didn't want to do. With all the other uh, all the other Star Trek uh, TNG characters, however, yeah. however, you could tell it was a very personal story to the uh, to the character Jean Luc Picard because throughout the series they touched on the uh, they touched on the topic of him dying, and yeah, uh, and then, yeah, what you you got something? Well. I mean, okay. Why? Why? Let him finish. Okay. Okay. Finish. okay all right. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're done with season one. I love Star Trek. I I, I absolutely love Star Trek. And I find myself tr like almost trying to force myself to like it more than I naturally enjoy it like there's a lot of things about it throughout the entire season that i really enjoy i'm glad we got to see data i'm glad we got to see uh picard Riker, 
Troy, uh, Seven of Nine, Hugh. We got to see what they're doing. Uh, but I don't know. Like, nothing, it just it never felt like Star Trek to me fully. The, the problem that I think that you and I had with the series was it creeped along at a snail's pace until all of a sudden you were moving as fast as a cheetah and they didn't do character development on certain characters and you know way too much about certain characters and way too little about others. Yeah, I mean, I I think out of all the brand new characters, the only one I actually sort of cared about was Soji um, and her sister at the, in episode one. Um, I, I didn't... Oh, no, no, I take that back. For some reason, I really enjoyed the... Uh, the, the the engine Romulan. No, 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 no. I want to, I want to say, uh, uh, Jean Luc Picard's wine, uh, home. What, what are the Chateau Chateau Picard? Um, <laughs> I enjoy I enjoyed the the Romulan lady that was with him, and like that, that, there was good chemistry there. But, um, but I don't know. I don't know. Did you guys have a favorite part of season one? Bob, because I mean, it sounds like out of all of us, you enjoyed it the most. I I, um, I really did enjoy it. The, uh, enjoy it. One thing that I got to say is I do, I do fundamentally disagree with you, Amanda. I don't feel like it had the snail's pace. I felt, I felt, at no point did I feel that there was an episode that didn't that didn't necessarily need to be there. You know what I mean. Like, I'm not saying the, the episode didn't need to be there. I'm just saying they didn't have to take forever to get to the point in the episode. Fair. I guess I dude, could do that. Dude, I don't know, man. Dude, like like if if you if you were to cut every scene between uh the Romulan dude that's hitting on Soji on the Borg cube and you put those back to back, that's like an entire episode. And I I hated every single one of those scenes i felt like they just killed the episode i was like you know i really don't care about you uh, you know having this like you know crush on her that's fake uh let's get to the that's point real well i don't i don't think it really turned real i don't know for soji it was well for him it, it, it i mean think about it he completely betrayed the tal shiar Okay. You don't do that without some emotion involved. Yeah. Well, um, let let's listen to Patrick Stewart real quick. He he uh, had an interview. It's a telephone interview. Nobody's doing interviews in person because of COVID nineteen. But uh, so so the audio is uh, you know a telephone. But he had an interview talking about uh, the finale, filming the series, and uh, what it was like when he watched the the final episode. So let's take a listen to that real quick. Of course, our our, um, our last episode of the first season aired last night. Very emotional experience it was, too, I found, for both myself and my wife. Um, but the whole the whole five, six months that we were filming was a, a truly extraordinary experience and quite unique. Um, very, very different from Next Generation, which was... Uh, exactly what I wanted, not because I don't have great affection and love for Next Generation and for all those wonderful actors I worked with who have been my friends from day one of that show. Um, but I wanted to 
look at something very different. If if I were to take on board Star Trek Picard, I I wanted a different man in a different world with a different set of values, perhaps, and and um, and indeed our brilliant team of writers came up with some extraordinary ideas and and so from the very beginning of the series i was looking to play a man who was so different from the man that we had seen for those seven seasons back in the late 80s and early 90s yeah but i mean i wanted that same man from the uh late 80s and early 90s I- i'm okay with the difference I just feel that the storyline was glacial. You, you know, I said this on the mid-season uh, review. If they had a theme song that wasn't a snore fest, and they picked up the pace a little bit and had that adventure music, I think I could probably get through all these episodes a lot better. I was just so bored with that music, and it like set the tone for me to like snooze on it. But if, if there was something I, uh, you know, really enjoyed about it, it was, um, it was, you know, every scene that they had uh, Picard and Riker back together, you know, from him making this pizza at home. And then the, the, the end scene uh, of, of in, in the final battle over the, uh, over the planet, uh, that, I enjoyed, I enjoyed all of that. Uh, that was you, a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of my favorite scenes were really some of the be- beginning episodes where we're kind of learning about why Jean-Luc left um, the Federation. And I think that was very captivating, watching that interaction, the news feed that he did. Yeah, that was really good. I thought that was some of my favorite parts of that. Yeah, honestly, I think uh, I think the very first episode was the best out of all of them. I mean, it set up the story. It, it got me really excited. Um, it's just then they had like three or four episodes of of I don't know. Kind of felt if it, it felt like filler to me. Um, I, I think one of my problems with a lot of the characters is all of them had to be profoundly broken in some way. And people couldn't just be normally broken. <laughs> they had to be profoundly broken with an addiction here. And we couldn't have just some normal brokenness. Like, th- I think that's what made um, Riker and Deanna just a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. in the show. Because they had lost their son, but they weren't profoundly broken from it. Yeah. Everyone else just seemed to be utterly, completely shattered. They felt like Star Trek characters. That is true. They they felt like Star Trek. Like I don't know, Picard didn't feel like a Star Trek character. Even Data didn't feel like a Star Trek character. I look, look. They from the episode one. I mean, they got my hopes up that that Data could literally come back. I mean, they kept saying that he could that that all of his consciousness was like basically. You know, reestablished off of like one, one neuron. Yeah, yeah. So and 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 they did basically say in the very very last episode that if they if Data wanted, they could have brought him back. But but Data wanted to die. Are you kidding me? I think that was the decision made by Prince Spiner. 
Yeah, but not by you know, what was actually good for the show. Well, sometimes actually, actors don't. What? Actually, I disagree. I think it was great for the show. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the, he explained it perfectly at the end that uh, the the one thing about being human, the one thing keeping Data from truly feeling as always human was the ability to die. Uh, and, and let's also look at the fact that, I mean, we needed to move on. I mean, data being around is fun and nice, but we've got a new set of androids to work with, and it's okay to let him go. One of those androids is Picard. (laughs) You guys, so I haven't watched Picard because I've been. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sorry, spoilers. Really question if I want to watch this. I mean, I'm really torn. Has always been one of my favorite characters, and so when he like Nemesis, that crushed me. <laughs> I was like, no, yes, it's one of my favorite ones. But yeah, I mean, you you guys like keep carrying on, like so. Jack, anything for my effect, like it's just so my curiosity. But I'm just you like, will oh. love, you will love what they do with D- Data and um, the synthetic people. As they they start calling them the synthetics, Ooh, you will you will love what they do with that. My problem I have is the crew that they get to go with the card. Oh, yeah, it just seems to be. I'm just like what they did with um, Seven of Nine in some ways was amazing and perfect, and then. If they're like, yeah, and we want to break her some more than all of these like massive other problems. And I'm like, okay, it was a little too much. I think they just did a little too much. Well, okay, so so we got we got Data dying again. We've got Picard dying and now becoming an android. <laughs> Okay, wow. so they deal with yeah. Tell um, me about it. Ex Borgs are dying because people are stealing their mechanical parts, and so they bring in Seven of Nine, and she's dated this former mob oh. boss who kills one of her closest former Borg friends. They should have made her like a Borg queen for more than like thirty seconds. I mean, they wasted that in my opinion. Okay. Anyways, oh, anyway, that was sorry. amazing. That was amazing, and they <laughs> wasted the opportunity. And so, I, I I think they just did too much to Seven, and they needed to kind of... I, I It was just so much too much of a profound <laughs> brokenness that they put... Well... Kind of needed to pull it, tone it back a little bit. Like, you could still maintain that, like, what you're doing to the character, but just kind of tone it back a bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So, so what? I cannot, I cannot remember the. I'm just, you know, we just got done watching the entire season. I cannot remember the name of anybody of any of the new characters except for Soji. So, who was the woman, uh, the African American woman? I called him JL. Oh yeah, they called him JL. Okay. So, so epically ticked me off. So in the in like the last scene of, of of the finale, they show seven of nine interlocking fingers with that other woman, uh, trying to say that they had some sort of relationship. That completely caught me off guard. I was like, wait a minute! Like there was no there was no prep 
to to that moment. Like 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 I didn't realize either of them were lesbian. And on top of that, I didn't realize that they were even attracted to each other throughout the entire season. It's just like they're sitting next to each other. Now they're holding hands. They they made it clear that seven was a lesbian because she dated the mob boss. Yeah. Who was a woman. Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't say the other woman was, Yeah, they didn't say anything in, about in, that. In, in fact, I thought she, I, you know, while I was watching, I thought she had a thing for the captain dude with the beard. I thought, I thought they had a thing going on. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, so this is where I get I to they did no character development in certain areas, and in other other places they did too much. I don't know, Raffi. That's her name. Yeah, Raffi. Raffi. Okay, well, uh, we'll see if I remember that. I'm terrible with names, as you all know who's been listening to this. Uh, so. You know, there the, 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 there were some cool things. Uh, in the in the finale, you know, I I like the fact that Soji did in fact decide to not become the the prophesied dest- destroyer. You know that was that was good. I mean, that whole entire end speech that Picard gave to try to uh, tell Soji that she doesn't have to choose that route while broadcasting over uh, open channels. Okay. Uh, was perfect. Have, that was that was straight Picard, straight Star Trek. I have oh, a yeah. quick question. Did you see what Bob? Did you see what happened to Doctor Soon after he took out that one android who was doing this all all the bad stuff? Oh yeah, whatever happened to her? Well, she got killed. Yeah, he just deactivated her. Yeah, but what look on his face. What What did Doctor Soon do? Why didn't he go and tell the rest of everybody what had happened? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I mean, because that could have, like, that's a giant plot hole right there. Because he could have ended, like, everything going on. He's like, hey, wait a second. This android, this synthetic was manipulating all you guys. Well, they had to have an, they had to have a reason to uh, have a big giant space battle. And, and those giant flowers that like to eat spaceships. I mean, space flowers, people. Come on, we need those. Hey, who says that your spaceship has to look like a spaceship? <laughs> yeah very very weird um so 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 what, what do you guys expect for season two like because there is going to be a season two it was already announced uh that they were going to do a season two um you know season one uh actually first started filming uh, back in uh, april of 2019 and so that way they could have the january release this year, well, we've got we've got COVID nineteen, so obviously they're not f- going to be filming in the next week or two. So, so we might not get a season two until like summer or winter of twenty twenty one. So, we, so we almost got like almost a year and a half to two years now. So, Bob, Jeez. as the as the one person who absolutely loved the show, what are you wanting to see next season? I want to see them leave. Convince me to watch it. <laughs> That's what you're doing. First, I want to see Jekka actually watch the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I want to see that too. Yeah. The other thing is, I want to see now that they have addressed everything that, or most everything that happened in between and why Picard left in the first place, I want to see them explore the reintroduction of synthetics into the Federation. Oh, I want to see yeah. them. Leave behind all, or not necessarily leave behind all the baggage, 
but not focus on that baggage. Picard has a new body. He has a new lease on life. I mean, he could potentially live forever. I mean, if he so choose or chose. No, no they said that they designed him to degrade uh, the body to degrade as it would have normally from that point. So, uh, so it's like they could yeah. easily they could easily fix that. It's a synthetic body. They can modify. Yeah. Well, you know the thing. When I thought about season two, I thought we would see Picard like standing in front of like the you know Federation uh, you know auditorium and say you know we need synthetics. This is why you know the Federation seeks out new new life forms, new civilizations. Well, here we got one. We need to reverse our thing. But they like like by the end of the season finale, it was like done. <laughs> um, is it bad? That I was hoping that they would mess things up and put a new actor for John Luke with the golem. With the what on? Okay, so they transferred his mind into a golem. Well, an avatar, yeah. It would have been the perfect opportunity to mess around what? with everyone's head and get no. like a young do, actor for do, John Luke Picard. Do, no. Do you know how much fanboy hatred? I mean, <laughs> you think you think COVID nineteen's a problem? Oh man. You start messing with tre- uh, with the Trek fans. You're asking for a lot of. You're asking yeah. uh, to get for a load of no, fur. They could have got um, James McAvoy to do it though. Oh my word, that'd been hilarious. You know, he, he that would have been funny. He follows Patrick Stewart around, just takes over all his roles that he starts up. Oh man, that's funny. That'd be hilarious. Uh, young card. Well, they need to do yeah. card show. So, well, for, for for a season two, we know that Whoopi Goldberg was invited by Patrick Stewart to return for Guinan uh, when Patrick Stewart visited her show on The View. You can go to YouTube. You can find that. Uh, so we know Guinan's going to be coming back. Uh, there's also rumors that uh, Jordi LaForge uh, will be popping up. And apparently there was a, a prequel comic uh, series that basically showed that uh, Jody LaForge was in charge of like the Romulan refugee fleet. He was constructing it on Mars when the uh, terrorist attack happened. Um, so, so season two, uh, we might be waiting a year and a half, two years, uh, but I don't know. It'll be, it'll, it'll be fun uh, when it comes out. I'll still watch it, even though I've got some gripes. I, I, I'm not looking forward to that music again. <laughs> It, the music really kind of set the tone for long and drawn out. Well, it, the music sounds like, yeah, I mean, I mean, okay. The music, picture the soundtrack for like a 90-year-old man who's sitting, in, you know, in, in, a, in, in an old folks' home. And that is the, that's a theme song for Star Trek Picard. You can't have Star Trek and then have like sit around and be bored music, you know. Uh, so, I'm pretty sure the vast majority of people would beg to differ. <laughs> I mean, they really did pick out music though that said this character is it was old. Yeah, this character is old, and he's got health conditions, <laughs> which is true. So, so th- there was uh, there was something cool. We talked about it just a little bit. I think uh, 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 Jekka brought up Nemesis. So, so if you don't know, there's uh, a song that Data sings in Nemesis called Blue Skies. Uh, and, and I've got a little clip from that. Uh, and and it's, it's during the scene in Nemesis when um, the, 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 they're doing the, the after-wedding party of uh, Riker and Troy. And as a uh, wedding gift, uh, Data's going to sing something. So I got that little clip right here. So let's take a listen to that real quick. 
and gentlemen, and invited transgendered species, in my study of Terran and Betazoid conjugal rights, I have discovered it is traditional to present the happy couple with a gift. Given Commander Riker's affection for archaic musical forms, I have elected to present the following as my gift in honor of their conjugation. Never saw the sun shining so bright. Never saw things going so right. Noticing the days hurrying by. When you're in love, my, how they fly. Oh, blue skies, smiling at me. Okay, so so Blue Skies is kind of an important song to uh, Data. And um, what's interesting is during Data's death scene, which is pretty much just all music, it is that Blue Skies song again. Uh, but it's sang by Data's daughter, the actress that played Data's daughter. So so there's a really cool – it's about three, four minutes uh, – behind the scenes, uh, uh, you know, documentary, you might say, clip uh, on why that happened. And I thought it'd be really cool to, to listen to it for a second. So let's take a listen. are seated in the middle of Warner Brothers uh, Eastwood scoring stage, which is where we record most of the score for Star Trek Picard and for Star Trek Discovery. And uh, we are about to record a version of Blue Skies, a song Blue Skies, which has a lot of, a lot of meaning for us. This is obviously a bit of a throwback to um, Star Trek Nemesis when uh, when Data sang Blue Skies. So it's really it's really cool that you know Data's daughter kind of gets to <laughs> sing it as well. This song was always going to play. I think Alex and Michael had talked about it as a you know a means to sort of bookend the season. And I was talking with Alex about it, and he said, you know, maybe we do our own version of the song. And I said, oh well, what a great idea! Why don't I do a version of the song and will find a singer to, to sing it for us. And he was like, well, you know, Issa is a singer. So my parents are musical theater actors, so I kind of grew up around it. And when I was 19, I had moved to New York, and my first audition in New York was Hamilton. And I uh, got to do Hamilton on tour, and so that was kind of my first bigger musical theater experience. And, um, and right after I left Hamilton, jumped right into this. When I met Issa at the premiere, I assumed Alex had asked her. Jeff tapped me on, on, my, on my shoulder and was like, hey, has Alex told you about the thing? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he was like, oh, never mind. And then I went and I found Alex and I was like, Alex, I think I told Issa before you said something. He was like, okay, Alex said it's okay, I can tell you. We made this arrangement, and we would love for you to sing it, and that's kind of how it all started. <laughs> you know, the instrumentation is close to our score. 
It's a little bit smaller of an orchestra, and that's because it's a very intimate song, and I wanted it to feel very close to your heart. But it's strings, it's woodwinds, it's some brass, and a lot of it is very textural because the, really the main part of the of the song is the lyric and the melody. So we, you really want to be able to keep that front and center. So we didn't want anything too loud or too much to jump in front of that vocal. Never saw the so this this song is coming at a very uh, very important moment in the final episode. Um, we're kind of saying goodbye to Data. Admiral Picard has a has a um, theoretical meeting and discussion with Data. And at the end of this conversation, he asks Michelle Picard to basically unplug him from life support um, because he, he would like his life and his emotions and his relationships to have the kind of meaning that they can only have if his life was finite. And that's where this song will play. And that song plays sort of across that whole section of him going and doing and interacting with the rest of the cast in order to do that. It's so right that this is the song that is playing during this moment because I think when, when Data sings it in Nemesis, it's the beginning of something as we sing it. This time it is the end of this chapter, it is a goodbye. So you kind of get the whole journey within this one moment. Goodbye, Commander. Goodbye, Captain. I will say they. I think they uh, played that scene perfectly. Uh, you know, with with Admiral Picard coming back, Data getting older, which I you know, is it was interesting to see an old Data. So, Jekka, if you see just one thing from Picard, this is what you want. Well, well, yeah. Watch episode one, and then and then the episode <laughs> and then the, very- the last episode. <laughs> No, I, I realize, I think the reason why I haven't watched it yet, um, which really does surprise me because of all, like, because I've seen a lot of the Star Trek TV shows. I've seen all the movies. Captain Picard is my absolute favorite. Granted, I did grow up watching Next Generation. But I think, too, like, my mom is a diehard Trekkie fan. And we, it's like, if I'm to watch it, I want to watch it with her. Uh, you yeah. know? And I think that's why I just haven't gone around to it. Because she and I haven't sat down to try to watch it together. Because I do want to watch it with her, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, you you can get CBS All Access free for thirty days with the uh, the code GIFT G I F T. We we announced that last podcast, so you can get on and watch it for free. But uh, I don't know. Uh, data Data's dead. Picard is now an android. Season two awaits. <laughs> Uh, I guess I guess Seven of Nine is going to have a relationship with with whatever her name is. Raj. I, I already, yeah, I already forgot her name. Raj. Raj. Rafi. 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 Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It, anything else you guys want to mention before we uh, wrap up tonight's episode on Star Trek uh, Picard? End of season one. Live long and prosper. Okay. All right. I think that's it. All right. Well, hey, folks. Thank you so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Please 
subscribe and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you find us. Next week, next week we're going to be talking Star Wars The Clone Wars. We're going to be kind of doing a mid-season. It's more like a three-quarters away season. But we're going to be talking Star Wars The Clone Wars uh, Season 7 again. Uh, so be sure to leave us a voicemail uh, with your thoughts on Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 7 so far. You can leave us that voicemail at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast. Leave us a one to two minute voicemail and you just might be on the upcoming show. You can also email us your thoughts on Star Wars The Clone Wars by going to supernerdpodcast.com at gmail.com. Choose that email. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Super Nerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. And be sure to tell your friends about us. But hey, folks, from all of us at Super Nerd Podcast, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Bye. Peace out. Peace out.